0: This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Lauren Rublin, Senior Managing Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today to learn more about investing in tech stocks. My guest is Barron's Deputy Editor, Alex Ewell, who oversees our tech coverage. He's been very busy lately, what with corporate earnings, Peloton rumors, and a whole lot more, so I'm glad he can carve out some time for Barron's Live today.
1: Welcome, Alex. Hey, Lauren, how you doing?
0: Hanging in there. (laughs) How are you doing is the question.
1: I'm all right. It's been a fun time to to cover tech the last uh, couple of weeks, for sure.
0: Absolutely, and to read about it. So, today is a big day for inflation, Alex. The consumer price index hit a 40 year high in January. Prices are surging at a 7.5% annual rate. But this is a tech call, not an economics program. However, inflation and tech are really closely related aren't they i think we should talk about this for a moment
1: yeah we should because for a while it's sort of been all tech investors have cared about uh, and and you know i think maybe that's finally breaking down a little bit um but right for the last year um as we know and as we've talked about rising interest rates have really just been a drag on growth stocks and it's why you know i, I It's why the NASDAQ underperformed the S&P 500 last year by six percentage points, which is a good reminder. You know, the NASDAQ is down 8% this year. That's almost twice the loss of the S&P 500. Um, And so that's all I would argue largely because of, of interest rates, right? I mean, it's something maybe it's the reopening, too. And the shift away from tech, but this is largely because of interest rates and people running away from growth stocks because well it's
0: it's the bond yields, which are kind of a proxy for interest rates.
1: Right, yes. And as and as bond yields get higher, growth stocks look less attractive. Um so uh but I think I think maybe today, you know, something interesting is happening, right? So we we got this worst inflation report in 40 years, another one, as you mentioned. Um we have the Fed about to definitely set to start rise raising its target rate. Um, and today the 10-year Treasury yield hit 2% for the first time since before the pandemic. So basically all of this bad news around rising rates, inflation, et cetera, um, and it all makes it look like the Fed is more likely to raise its target rate by a half a percentage point in March as opposed to sort of what people had been assuming would be a quarter point raise. So all of that should be working against tech based on this idea that, that higher rates are bad. But that's not what's happening this morning for the most part. It's been it's been waffling around, but tech is down only about uh, 0.3 percent. Right now it's actually outperforming the S&P 500, which is down a fraction more. So tech is actually holding up fine today despite this latest news. And despite the fact that the Fed is probably about to get more aggressive um, with its rates.
0: Well, can we conclude that the news is already in the market? or that investors are simply not prepared for what's going to hit them?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, I think maybe somewhere in between, but I definitely think that the, the thinking among investors or the, the easiest takeaway is that this has been priced in, even, even this more um, this slightly worse inflation report, this hotter inflation report today, that it has been um, priced in. And, and we talked about sort of those calendar year numbers that I gave earlier uh, to track the NASDAQ uh, week performance. But but really, the numbers for tech have actually been a whole lot worse than, than what I had just cited because all of these high profile names have just sold off so significantly since um, kind of September, November, uh, September, October, November timeframes. You have all these names like Facebook, Netflix, Zoom, Peloton, uh, PayPal, Twitter, SoftBank, Shopify. I made a list. Those are those are all down more than forty percent from their highs. So um, I do think. That's all been in preparation, largely for this switch to to higher rates, and so I think today's response is largely yes that it's been um, that it's been priced in. So
0: I, w- I would also remind you, Alex, that with seven point five percent inflation, real rates are still going to be negative. So I, I, rates are going up, but we're not talking about massive incre- interest rate increases. But if you combine that with the Somewhat troubling earnings news.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. That
0: explains a lot.
1: Well, and you ask, you know, is there something investors maybe are missing? And maybe, maybe we're all, maybe that's what the whole market is still missing, which is that the Fed is going to have to do a whole lot more than we think to actually um, fight inflation, right? And so, this series of five, six, even seven quarter point increases this year may ultimately not be nearly enough. And so, if it gets if, things, if inflation stays here and rates go way higher than we're expecting, well, yeah, that's where investors have um, missed.
0: We'll be having a very different call
1: next year. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um, for sure.
1: Right, we could be.
0: So tell me a bit about earnings season. We've, we've had a lot of news coming from social media stocks, from from semiconductor stocks. Stocks have reacted in a funny way to a lot of the earnings. What do you see out there?
1: Yeah, I mean it was it it had to have been maybe the craziest earnings week that I've ever covered. Um, right. I mean, we had we had these massive moves of 20% um, up or down after earnings were released. And and these weren't for the small cap, volatile small cap stocks. Facebook was down 25% after its earnings. Amazon at one point had been up 20% on its earnings. Um, you know, we were in the newsroom, we were all sending each other crazy messages about, you know, just in sort of shock at, at what the stocks were doing and how we were going to quickly try to cover the news. Um, so I, I, think part of it is the earnings numbers themselves. Um, but, but we always, you know, I, I don't know that the surprises, maybe for Facebook, it was particularly bad. We can talk about that. I don't know that the, the surprises were so crazy. I think part of it is that we are in this volatile market. We're preparing for this new interest rate environment. Um, And all of these secular trends that have been so important, right? The pandemic, fiscal policy and monetary policy, even politics are now potentially, at least in the near term, fading in importance because maybe we've gotten used to them or they've been priced in. And so what are we left with to trade on and what are we really focused on, but but the real numbers? And so that was sort of what we started to get last week. Um, and, And I think that's why we saw these, that's part of the reason we saw these really kind of maybe uh, these overreactions to some degree.
0: So I want to talk about the real numbers. And you mentioned Facebook. Let's go there first. It yeah. looked from the earnings that the advertising business is struggling. It looks like people are leaving the Facebook platform. At the same time, the company is spending heavily on this thing called the metaverse. How do you, add, when you add it all up, what do you get? Is, is Facebook in real trouble? Or is this just a phase that, the company will have to get through.
1: Yeah. So this was really bad news for Facebook just across the board. And that's what was so worrisome about it and, and why maybe that one, you know, it lost what, $250 billion in market value um, in one day based on uh, the earnings news. So it, it's hard it's hard not to call that an overreaction, just right.
0: It's a violent such reaction.
1: Such a violent reaction. That said, I think there are a lot of good reasons for why investors are so nervous, right? Facebook has been has had problems for months, for years, arguably. Um, this time, though, really does feel different, and and I'll tell you why. I mean, we've been pretty consistent at Barron's when it comes to the stock itself, and and that our view has been that for several years, these scandals and controversies, for whatever you think about them, right, but around privacy and speech. Were damaging, but really, in the end, kind of a sideshow for investors. And so that's why we've generally been pretty bullish on on the stock. Um, and and it was all because you know, as long as the company's advertising machine kept churning out revenue growth and profits, the stock would be fine. I think that's what is now really showing signs of changing. We got hints of it for a little for a few quarters, but this last quarterly report was really the clearest indication yet that the company's advertising business now with this, this machine that they've created was finally hurting. And, and maybe some of it was from the scandals, but really it's for more almost, um, well, some of it more technical reasons, which is that the company has really been hurt by Apple, which has made it harder to track uh, users and therefore harder to track the effectiveness of advertising on any iOS, any any Apple device. And that's significant for, for Facebook. So that's one problem. Um, and, and perhaps most notable, though, is that I think Facebook may be losing our collective interest. Um, the company's uh, core Facebook service in the last quarter had one million fewer users than it had a year ago. So one million on you know billions is small I, for sure, but that trend is important because it's never happened before. That that's right. that. the so, trend
0: is not their friend. The trend is not the their friend.
1: You know, I think it's. Um, it's dangerous to, to, to say the, the, the phrase, this time feels different, but I kind of think this time feels different for Facebook um, and, and Meta Platforms, its parent company.
0: But, 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 as they say, Alex, <laughs> the, stock, the stock has gotten so much cheaper. So how do you take all of these problems into account when you look at the valuation? It's Facebook, now Meta Platforms, is trading for only 18 times totally. as as expected earnings.
1: Yes, yeah, this is truly at least as a tech company a cheap stock um, it's down 40 percent from September it trades like you said at just 18 times earnings for earnings estimates for this year that's actually a discount to the average stock if you use the s p 500s own PE multiple of 20 times um, you know and and for some reason that's a good reason to buy the stock it, it is cheap and I'll point out you know Facebook has come back from previous crises. Um, a lot of folks will remember their struggles right out of the gate when they went public. Um, they didn't really have a good answer to mobile phones. And suddenly everyone was worried, oh my God, Facebook is gonna just never make it now because they've been so focused on the desktop and everyone is moving to mobile phones. They don't have advertising there. How are they gonna how are they gonna survive? Well, not only did they survive, but we know what happened. Um, in terms of Facebook and its ability to monetize users on mobile phones. So that if, if you're a value, you know, if you're a more value oriented investor, that may be the reason to jump in. But like, like I was just saying, I, I do think things feel different now. Um, and so for Facebook, it's not, you know, they have these ongoing regulatory and privacy battles. They have their fight with Apple now um, and they have a potentially shrinking user base, I think. And and the thing, one thing we haven't mentioned is um, TikTok, which really seems to be eating into its, certainly its younger users' attention. Um, We don't know a ton about TikTok's own usage because it's a private company, but it's pretty clear that it is very, uh, it's very valuable and it, and, and younger users are spending a ton of time on it. And, um, you know, Facebook said as much on its, with its earnings report, because they talked about how they're trying, they're, as people move to their Reels video um, offerings, which are closer to TikTok, you know, these short videos on social media, Facebook said that as people move to Reels, they are less able to make money off of those users. So it's almost as if Facebook knows it has to move people to video, even if they're less able to to monetize it. So that's sort of a, that's a tough spot for um, for Facebook to be in. I, you know, so one, one thing, one other thing I would say, and maybe it's a silver lining is that there's a chance. And I, I think, I think Washington is pretty much can f- focused on trying to regulate Facebook to some degree, but maybe what comes out of this in the ne- medium term, let's say, is that if, if in fact, TikTok is really starting to hurt Facebook, then Facebook has a pretty good argument that it's not a monopoly because, um, You know, if it were a monopoly, it wouldn't.
0: It wouldn't have these problems. Wouldn't have
1: these problems. So, you know, maybe that's one silver lining. They're fighting with the FTC, in particular, as well as with Congress, and there's potentially legislation that will hurt Facebook going forward. So, maybe that's the silver lining here. And maybe, you know, some have speculated that that's why Facebook was so willing to talk about competition because they're trying to sort of buy themselves some time and, and. push the argument that, hey, we're not a monopoly.
0: You know, one of the things I've wondered, Alex, Mark Zuckerberg really controls the company through his shareholdings. So it's not an overly inviting target for an activist investor to get involved. And I wonder if that's another reason why it sort of puts a weight on the stock.
1: It's a good question. I mean, the, the Zuckerberg factor is is a is a big one, right? Is he more valuable to the company? Is he kind of a hindrance on, on valuation from here? Certainly, he's grown this from nothing, and he's the founder, so it's hard. To, I give him credit. Hard to doubt him in terms of the activists. That's interesting. Um, that yes, the control setup makes that more difficult. Although Peloton has a um, founder has essentially controlled the company as well, along with a few of his other founders, and we just saw an activist sort of. Agitate for change. There, we can talk about that more later. The difference, I think, with Facebook, it's not only an issue of Zuckerberg controlling it, but it is so massive that you know it still has this six hundred billion dollar market value or so. so. As an activist, if you want to really force change and you want to come in and buy five or ten percent of the company, there are very few, if any, activist investors that can come in and. um, We need
0: a lot of money
1: for five or ten percent of the company. So. I think that's another that's another um, factor, probably insulating them to some degree.
0: Mm-hmm. Or put another way, leaving them to solve their own problems.
1: Yeah, right.
0: But what was interesting to me was that many other social media companies did not show the same problems with as Facebook when they reported earnings last week. So let's talk about some of the other companies in that realm.
1: Yeah. I mean, really that might've been kind of the, the biggest problem for Facebook last week was not their own earnings, but everyone else's. So after they reported um, the next day, there were really good, well, good numbers, surprisingly good numbers from Snap and Pinterest. Um, and then this morning Twitter reported, um, well, Snap stock last week ended up jumping 50% on its results. Um, Facebook jumped 11%. Twitter this morning is flat. Um, but I think the key for Snap in particular, is it's a much smaller social media company. They don't have the resources that Facebook has to push back on Apple, for instance. Um, and yet they're doing okay right now. So that's not a good sign for Facebook um, that that their smaller rivals are finding ways to still kind of um, survive, thrive, if not survive. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that was... That was a bad sign for facebook and probably at least a near-term good sign for snap and pinterest this morning twitter's numbers maybe not so good or not not as good news for for social media um the company looked a, i feel like looks a little more like facebook as kind of one of the original and more dominant uh, social media companies you know they missed on earnings revenue they missed on their user growth the stock was flat last i looked today um and that may be partly because the company said it would buy back four billion dollars worth of stock, so that might be providing some support to the stock. Um, but you know, I think um, I think the Twitter numbers and kind of confirm the fact that social media is just a really tough business. It's been a very tough business all along. Facebook has kind of been the one to crack the to crack it in terms of making real profits off of it. Now maybe that's hurting. But for the most part, over the long term, everyone has struggled to really make this business work, and um, I think that 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 remains uh, that remains the case.
0: And non-social media is not such an easy business either, as you and I know. Yeah.
1: Yes. Right. Regular media. Yes.
0: <laughs> exactly. So let's move on and talk about another company that reported last week, and that's Amazon. Before we do, I want to remind listeners that we will take questions at the end of the call, so please. Type them in and we'll set aside some time for them. Tell me about Amazon, Alex. What what did the company say? What's the outlook from here?
1: Yeah. So Facebook had this terrible report. It was on Wednesday night. The market fell the next day. Everyone you know, was sort of worried about tech more broadly. And then I don't think it's a stretch to say that Amazon came in 24 hours later and turned everything around um, for the market and for tech because... Um, Amazon at one point was up almost 20%. I think at the end of the day, up uh, 13% on Friday on its earnings. And basically for Amazon, it's now all about the cloud. Um, The company's cloud business was up 39%. It was better than expected, even though there were pretty strong expectations. Um, And then one other big surprise for Amazon was that its advertising business has become basically a juggernaut now. It was up... um, it has quarterly revenue of almost $10 billion for Amazon advertising. That's up 30%. Um, it's as big, I believe as Google, as YouTube now in terms of, uh, as an advertiser. Um, and so, you know, I think that, that, that was really important. And then just to, to really understand how far Amazon has come as a business in the quarter, their, their online sales were actually down 1%. And so, amazon.com the e, you know the e-commerce pioneer is now you know saw falling um, revenue online shopping revenue and yet the stock jumped 13%. So I think that really that really tells you a lot in terms of how far this company has come um well, it
0: attests to the strength of the rest of the business most yeah
1: and their and their ability to start to sort of diversify we can talk a little bit more about that. I, one other wild card is that with their earnings, they also announced that they'd be boosting the price of Prime, their Prime membership, for the first time in four years.
0: Yes, I noticed.
1: <laughs> so if this is something maybe a lot of us will see, um, although in the scheme of rising prices, maybe it's you know a small one. But so the annual subscription is going to one thirty nine a year, one hundred thirty nine dollars a year from one hundred and nineteen dollars a year, and I, I think um, investors are giving them the benefit of the doubt there that. Most people will not really, um, will not care and they'll continue to subscribe. And if they do, that extra $20 a year spread among hundreds of millions of users falls straight to the bottom line, basically.
0: I've wondered, I've wondered what the ceiling is as Netflix raises prices, as Amazon raises prices, as a lot of subscription services start to raise prices. Yeah.
1: And you wonder, does an inflationary period help them in that regard? If everyone's raising prices, does that... Allow these these subscriptions to sort of slide in, and which still seem like a relatively good value. Does that give them more room to run, or does it give them less room to run if people are spending more everywhere else? And um, I don't quite know the answer. My guess is that for Amazon and Netflix, they they will have no problem with rising subscription price raising subscription prices. They have kind of pricing power. Maybe a player like Peloton, um, which has a $40 a month subscription, if you have their bike or treadmill, maybe they have less ability to raise prices in, in this environment.
0: Right. It's it's an interesting phenomenon, though. It's it's starting to happen, not yeah. only in, in goods, but in services. Yeah. So let's talk about Amazon stock for a moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's not cheap. It's never cheap. Um, but, you know, historically, everything is relative, right? So I, it's now at about 63 times earnings, the stock has lagged the rest of big tech for a good 18 months now. Um, and so at 63 times earnings, it's it's not cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than it's than it's been uh, the five year, the company has a five year average multiple of P of 84 times. So 63 times now versus 84 times over the last five years, you know, you can decide that it's going to continue to fall off of that average, or maybe it just, you know, gets stays here and earnings growth helps the stock or the multiple expands again a little bit. I I'm I, I would feel good about Amazon right now, not only because it's cheaper relative to history, but also because of these, these diversification efforts. Um, it has to be, I think, a good thing that online sales can fall in a quarter and the stock can be up so, so significantly. Um, I think that tells us that they're just a truly diverse company now. I think they're entering a phase maybe where they look a little bit more like Microsoft, which is just one in so many different areas. And that we know how that's worked out for Microsoft. So I think it will be a benefit to Amazon as well.
0: The company is so diverse that people are starting to talk about whether they should split into multiple
1: companies. Well, and, and yeah, right. And so if that happens, um, that's probably... Uh, that's probably a catalyst for gains at least probably
0: I was going to say it's probably value added for the shareholder.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But we don't have to dwell on that today because it's it's really in the hypothetical realm. Let's turn to NVIDIA. The company is not going to merge with Arm Holdings. After all, regulators put a stop to that. What is the outlook minus Arm?
1: I don't think it changes that much in terms of um, the outlook. I think nvidia and i know we got lots of questions about this so it's a stock that people really are interested in um i think nvidia remains one of the most you know speculative but successful bets on kind of every part of of technology um you know they've been they've been a super impressive performer in every way um the company the stock is down 24 percent in this growth sell-off we've had and it's still worth almost 700 billion dollars as a company right I would I would say it fits if you if you are a true believer it fits every checklist because it has these high powered graphic chips that are good for the metaverse for autonomous driving for crypto mining um, you need you need their chips probably more than anyone else's um, their sales were up fifty three percent last year they're going to probably grow the same this year um, and and so they had sales of about twenty seven billion dollars that is going to slow uh, if you look at the Analyst estimates, at least, um, and the stock trades at about fifty times forward earnings. So, you know, I think if you want to, um, those those things I mentioned, if you believe any of them are really coming, I think Nvidia is a really good way to play them. But this is all very speculative, and I think this one is kind of priced in to some degree. Um, and I, I my the best way I would answer what to think about Nvidia stock would be to point out Intel stock um, and. You know, that oh. I don't know how satisfying that is for folks, but you know, it's worth um, it's worth about a third of Nvidia from a market value perspective. Intel has a market value of 200 billion, despite having three times the sales of Nvidia. So, um, an Intel trades at just 14 times earnings, so 50 times versus 14 times. You know, I I know people will point out that Intel's had tons of problems, and it has. Intel's growth is flat right now. Those are all. There, are criticisms. Um, at fourteen times, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's accounted for. I think it's priced in. I think Intel is the core holding um, for investors, even though it's you know less sexy and and not um, and not Nvidia, right? Is that
0: based on price and valuation?
1: So I think it's based on largely based on price and valuation. But I'll, the other thing that I don't think gets enough attention is just how important Intel is. For our economy right now, um, you know, we all we have all seen and, and learned how important chips are for everything. We know about short, the shortages and, and how much it's impacting everyone. There's also this geopolitical aspect, right? Which is that most of our chips are not made in the U.S. And you know that has real geopolitical risks. If at some point, you know, you have more tensions or more issues in Taiwan, um, or, or in Asia generally. And we're so relying on, on the region for our chip production. Intel is the only one that really can make chips at any real scale in the U S. And I think that at least gives the the stock a floor. Um, I don't think anyone can afford for Intel to slip up any more than it already has. And I I think the government, the U S government will be incentivized to sort of keep them, um, Going and I think that's gonna be a positive for Intel um, you know over the long run. As I think they also will manage to 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 fix their manufacturing issues. You know, they've had this new CEO, um, Pat Gelsinger, for about a year now, or maybe even a little more. And I, I think, you know, if you it's assume. Smart April. Yeah, they're smart people. And if you assume Intel will solve at least some of its problems combined with its importance to the U.S. economy, I think they're in a good spot and they're a very cheap stock.
0: You know, I can't help thinking of General Motors, another company deemed too too important to fail.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, And that's a good it's a good uh, it's a good pushback (laughs) because they obviously they've struggled even if they're now doing better. But yeah,
0: but the government did not allow them to fail. So true.
1: Yes. Well, that's, yes. That's what I'm referring to. Okay. Yeah.
0: So let's go to some questions they've been pouring in. Um, Theodore asks, is Apple, which we didn't talk about yet, Alex, a Amazing. forever holding or should it be bought with a stop loss?
1: And here I thought we'd get through a call without talking about Apple.
0: Not um, going to happen. I'm Not right. going to happen.
1: Yeah, I remain. I think Apple showed in this latest earnings season that it just has so <laughs> many so many levers to pull. You know, amid these shortages and supply chain problems, they have so much power and so much scale that they get what they need. Right. In terms of parts Um, and people want what they have. So it's a it's been a really good combination for them. I still think they're the business in terms of its transition into a more services. focused (laughs) um, is sort of er not early, but still like fairly early in that transition in terms of the investors valuing the company less as a hardware play and more as a recurring revenue services type play for for all these things that Apple sells. I think Apple has finally gotten better at the at the services and the cloud offerings that it provides to its iPhone, iPad and Mac users. I think that's really helped them. That's why we've seen the multiple, um, the P multiple expand um, from a stock that traded at 15 times to a stock that traded at 30 times. But, you know, there's um, I don't, I don't think Apple is, is, is really slowing down. And even if they do sell fewer iPhones, they have this ability to continue to sell into that base, um, in a way that almost no one else does. And, and really they've, they've kind of, one other thing I'll say to come back to Facebook is, is right now, right or wrong, I guess they've established kind of the moral high ground. Um, they're the ones that are saying, well, we're not, we are protecting you on a privacy standpoint. We are protecting you as users against um, kind of being tracked across the internet. And right now that's been a winning kind of economic argument for them versus Facebook. And I, and I think probably a winning um, kind of ethical argument to some degree with consumers as well.
0: I was just thinking that we are protecting consumers. Consumers seem happy to have that protection and we are protecting ourselves from regulators
1: Yes, I think there's, yes, I, I, and they still have issues with regulators, but but they can take that kind of that that moral high ground to some degree, like, oh yeah, well, at least we're not Facebook or you know, <laughs> that, that's one argument. That
0: oh boy, All right, we've mentioned Peloton a lot today, but we haven't really delved into things there. Lee asks a series of interesting questions. Do you think the business is really a growth business, or is it even a stable business? Do you feel this will be a very competitive space? Such that Peloton doesn't really have a sustainable mode, particularly as COVID recedes.
1: Yeah, those are all really good questions. I mean, I think Peloton Peloton's biggest problem is they just got overeager. I think, and and we've learned this, and they've admitted it to some degree, and it's caused sort of a lot of their problems. They got too big too fast. They they made they made too many investments both on the hiring front and in terms of their manufacturing footprints to supply a pandemic era demand when it was pretty clear that that demand was to some degree artificial and would come down when everyone, everyone went back to some degree of normalcy. Right. I mean, I have said this before, I still don't think nearly as many people go back to gyms as they did before the pandemic because of, um, the the progress that has been made in home equipment, largely from Peloton. So, you know, I, I, I would still, I still think it's a good business, but this violent sell-off you've seen has largely been because they just, they bought into their own hype to some degree too much. And I think that's really hurt the company. I think that's why, um, the CEO, John Foley, has been sort of forced to step down to some degree, although we could argue whether he's really stepping down if he's becoming executive chairman. So, so that's, that's the issue as to why the stock move has been so violent. In terms of on the competition front, it's a great question. Um, I think um, I think it's a little bit of an Apple Android situation here. I still think anyone who has their product would say they're by far, it's by far the best product. It's a, it's a better experience. Their, their hardware is better than some of these other products that are out there. So I think the competition for them um, is still more the real world versus other products. But, um, you know, so whether people go back to the gym is the real competition. Uh, I, think but-
0: that, I think that's fair. But I would add, you said the company got too eager. I would say shareholders got too eager, too.
1: Oh well, I mean, absolutely, right? And, oh, and I,
0: the company—you can understand why the company would invest the way it did. It's yeah, the moment arrived, but
1: yeah, I mean, I—that's a good question. Like, it's sort of a chicken or the egg thing, right? Like, who—who who is responsible? For, did the shareholders egg the company on? Did the company <laughs> egg shareholders on? Um, right. It's a—it's a good question, but—but uh, but, yeah.
0: So uh, speaking of egging on, Steve asks, do you expect double digit moves in stock prices to continue like those we saw recently?
1: <laughs> I hope not. Um, I don't know if we have the energy to cover it. Um, no, I mean, I guess there's some the people would talk about the market structure reasons behind some of these huge jumps, right? We have more options trading than in the past. It seems that the aftermarket, the after hours, Sessions, which, you know, who I don't even know we fully understand that has become a bigger driver of that volatility. Um, but so I, so know, these are
0: heavily, heavily owned stocks.
1: They are. Are they're not, Lord?
0: No, they are. And there are a lot yeah. of people who got in at very cheap prices and who want to take profits at the first sign of trouble.
1: Yes, that may be. Uh, Maybe I, the
0: second sign.
1: I tend to think things always find an equilibrium. I think we'll find an equilibrium again. Um, so I, I don't think every quarter is going to look like this. Every every earnings season, I don't think it's going to look like this um, from here.
0: Okay, I hope not as well. I want to just close by posing a question from Fred, which will segue into Disney. Fred asks, do you consider streaming companies, social media companies? And that gets us to Disney's earnings. So perhaps you can wrap everything into one there.
1: Interesting question. Um, I would say no. And the main reason I would say no, um, certainly they're media companies, but I think the business model would be the main difference there, right? So streaming companies, for the most part, there are some advertising supported streaming companies out there. Roku sells, you know, advertising on its platform. But for the most part, when we're thinking of Netflix, Disney, HBO, these are these are subscription-driven models where you are going direct to the consumer and, and and asking them to pay you for a service. So just from from that point alone, I would say they have a real differentiator from a social media company, which you know, unless things change, and and who knows if Facebook may someday decide to charge a subscription for its service. But unless things change, they are truly an advertising company. So I think streaming versus versus social media, you have that difference in terms of subscription versus advertising, and that that, that makes them quite different. Fair
0: enough. I, I agree with you there. So let's talk for just a moment about Disney's earnings and the success of its streaming platform.
1: Yeah, um, and it's interesting. So this latest quarter for Disney, I haven't seen... Um, I haven't looked at the moment. So Walt Disney's up four uh, percent uh, today. Um, I think it's this is the first quarter where we're talking less about streaming and more about their theme parks to some degree, and um, it's probably the theme parks that are largely driving the gains. So for Disney, you finally have this sort of perfect, maybe perfect quarter, right, in which you had both the reopening stuff working, which is the theme parks, and the kind of pandemic stuff working the stay-at-home stuff working, which is Disney Plus and streaming. They both did well. Theme parks did particularly well. And so if you get both of those going at once, that kind of comes back to the original value proposition of Disney, which is that they both work off each other, right? So Disney Plus does really well. You sell more subscriptions. Um you're able to market in some sense, all of the characters that that you own, the intellectual property that you own. And then people go to the theme parks to ride the rides and to visit the characters. And it's this thing that, you know, this self virtuous virtuous circle, virtuous circle that, that Netflix does not have. Right. Um, As great as Netflix's media and content may be, they do not have theme parks or, you know, they will, they're not going to be Disney anytime soon. So I think, um, I, I think that's, In some ways, you know, it's surprising that Disney is not up um, more today for that reason. um,
0: (laughs) Well, it's a tough day for the market with the inflation print.
1: Yeah, a bit of a tough day for the market. True. Uh, Although, yeah, theme park prices have been going up for a very long time, I will note, even before uh, inflation kicked in. So, um, yeah, but I think um, I think this was a really big report and an important report, probably a pivot point for uh, or inflection point for Disney.
0: Which is kind of, it makes me think it's an inflection point for the economy as well. As people go back to Disney, they'll go back to other things.
1: I think that's a great, yeah. And maybe that's why, Lauren, that the investors, maybe it's one reason investors are not taking this inflation report um, quite as badly uh, as some people expected they would.
0: For sure. So Alex, we're going to leave it there today. Naresh asked a question about Google. I'm sorry we don't have time to answer it. I promise you we'll come back to it when Alex is next on Barron's Live. So, Alex, I want to thank you for sharing your wonderful insights today. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in and sending us terrific questions. Tomorrow on Barron's Live, the guest speakers will be IBD, it's it's Investor's Business Daily. The topic is how to get back into the market after sidestepping the correction. Investors Business Daily Market Research Director Justin Nielsen and Alyssa Coram, who's IBD's multimedia content editor, will talk about the publication's follow-through day concept and how to add exposure in a measured manner after a correction. Should be a very interesting market call. So thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. Stay well and have a good day.